0: Chapter Twenty One of Dead Men's Shoes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Herndon Bell. Dead Men's Shoes by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Chapter Twenty One Received by the County at half-past twelve o'clock on the following day sibyl and mr trenchard start on their drive to the How. it is more than an hour's drive even with mr trenchard's well-fed horses who are used so little that they are in a chronic state of either wanting to run away or languishing into a crawl their paces between redcastle and the How are an alternate bolt and dawdle and perhaps on the whole they take more time about the journey than the less pampered steeds which ply for hire at redcastle station sir wilfrid cardinal is smoking his cigar on the grassy walk inside the moat as mr trenchard's carriage drives through the gateway the howe is a good old place of the moated grange order tudor gables and windows in front roofs and chimneys at the back of the premises of an earlier period a fine old chapel which has been converted into a drawing-room a monkish refectory which has been made a billiard-room the gardens are lovely and that deep wide moat with its dark still water and smooth green banks adds not a little to their beauty a swan comes sailing down the dark shining water as sibyl alike assisted by sir Wilfrid, who has thrown away his cigar and come to welcome his guests how late you are he exclaims i have been expecting you for the last two hours now what will you see first the stables or the gardens sybil is going to say the gardens but mr trenchard who knows that his hosts tastes are turfy votes for the stables i'm so glad you like the stables exclaimed sir wilfrid addressing himself to sibyl as if the choice were hers i'm rather proud of mine you know i've spent a good deal of money upon em they were regular pigsties when i inherited the place my poor father didn't care about his stables you know as long as he had a couple of carriage-horses to drag the family about a weight-carrying cob for his own use and a pony or two for us children he was satisfied his horses weren't members of his family why well, in his time the gardeners and farm labourers were as well accommodated as the horses concludes sir wilfrid as if this were the summit of iniquity they traverse a shrubbery and find themselves in the stable department a spacious quadrangle stone-paved and with a stone basin of water in the middle numbered doors and windows adorned with flower-boxes surround this neat square quadrangle each door opening into a loose box each number belonging to a special quadruped in sir wilfred's stud within the loose boxes are as neat as a spinster's annuitant's best parlour each horse is provided with a cat or dog for company while one animal more social than the rest is not satisfied without the society of a stable-boy who sits in a corner of his box reading the paper all the summer afternoon while the lordly beast stares dreamily at him across the swinging door makes an occasional snap at him displaying an appalling range of long yellow teeth in pure playfulness sibyl is introduced severally to the horses who are swathed in double sets of clothing as if they were in siberia why are the poor things wrapped up so in this warm weather inquires sibyl that's to keep up the beauty of their coats mum says a stable boy numerous animals are unclothed and brought out in the sunny quadrangle to display their various graces they all seem pretty much alike to sibyl except that some are thin and some thick sibyl admires the slimmer animals but sir wilfrid mr trenchard and the stud groom go into raptures about the thicker and more stalwart quadrupeds. There's a shoulder, says the groom, punching a bull-necked brute, carry a church. There are legs, cries Sir Wilfrid, regular gate-posts. Shall I bring out bull of Bashan, sir? inquires the stud groom, and another thick-set beast is led forth plunging viciously to the rearwards as he emerges from his cool retreat bull of bashan is the gem of the stud his leading qualification is cobbiness. he has a thick neck thick legs a straight line from hock to fetlock short barrel broad chest an eye like jove to threaten or command and not a white hair about him as the stud groom remarks complacently Time was when Bull of Bashan would have been esteemed a serviceable horse for a village miller or a tenant farmer. Today he is the last fashion for a gentleman of fortune. Ran away with a stable boy yesterday morning when he was being exercised, says Sir Wilfrid approvingly, patting the beast's solid shoulder. Which familiarity the Bull resents by sticking his ears back till he appears to be unprovided with those appendages and giving a vicious kick in the direction of his master's shins how do you like the bull miss faunthorpe isn't he rather bad-tempered inquires sibyl doubtfully oh he's a lively horse i admit but the best goer in the stable the men don't care about riding him but he and i understand each other don't we bull There take him in chanter they look into other loose boxes and sibyl begins to think there is no end to the horses but the stable inspection is over at last and they go back to the gardens where the baronet's sisters condescend to join them phoebe cardinal is a little more inclined to be civil to-day than she showed herself at lancaster lodge yesterday she tells sibyl the names of roses and ferns and makes herself otherwise agreeable this amelioration of the young lady's manners has been brought about by a domestic process which sir wilfred calls a jolly good setting down the baronet has informed his sisters in the plainest language that he considers miss faunthorpe the nicest girl he has met for a long time that he has been informed that she has large expectations from the old indian beggar meaning stephen trenchard and that in his sir wilfrid's opinion she would suit him admirably for a wife whereupon the two sisters phoebe and lavinia as with one voice exclaim in the words of mrs stormont wilfrid a girl of no family hang family ejaculates sir wilfrid we've got pedigree enough and to spare the needful thing is ready money Oh, Wilfred, you are rich enough, surely. Oh, I can rub along if that's what you mean, answers the baronet. But I could buy the Longley Bottom estate if I had fifty thousand to dispose of, and then I should be the largest landowner between this and York. There's an upland meadow that would make the finest gallop in England, and you know how badly I want some good training ground. Well, Wilfred if i were the head of the family i wouldn't degrade myself by a plebeian marriage for the sake of a few paltry thousands you might have lady malvina Ville-Roche for the asking but i shall never ask answered sir wilford decisively lady malvina is a good deal too weedy for my money and i don't like em that colour i'd marry miss faunthorpe if she hadn't a sixpence but of course i take all the more kindly to the notion on account of that old chap's cash i shouldn't like to see longley manor owned by some three-quarter bred cockney the result of this conversation which took place after dinner yesterday evening is phoebe cardinal's amiable welcome of to-day she takes sibyl up to her own room to take off her hat before luncheon and sibyl admires the fine old house with its spacious corridors massive tudor windows and innumerable rooms it is also different from the formal splendour of lancaster lodge here all is picturesque full of old associations suggestive of ruffs and farthingales silken hose and jewelled sword-hilts there must be a family ghost of course in such a house it is a place whose mistress must feel like a queen thinks sibyl as she stands before the carved oak dressing-table with its old venice mirror not quite so convenient as a modern dressing-table but wondrous stately from the wide mullioned windows she sees the garden and park spreading far away to the summer woods and woods as well as park and gardens belong to sir wilfrid cardinal she can but think what a mighty conquest she has made if sir wilfrid is really in love with her as she can hardly doubt she is just a little intoxicated by the idea she feels as if she has been raised suddenly to a dizzy height from which she must come toppling down presently she feels as she has often felt in a dream years ago at miss Worry's boarding-school when her slumbers were frequently visited by a vision of pride in which she saw herself wooed by some rich and noble suitor and from which she awoke at the shrill peal of the school-bell to find herself in the bleak bare dormitory with the prospect of a winter day's dreary toil before her luncheon at the How is a bounteous and hospitable meal in an oak-panelled dining-room after luncheon they explore the old house which although not a show-place is well worthy that honour they look at the family pictures which seem to sibyl rather a collection of wigs than of faces so much more distinctive are the wigs than the countenances they embellish the portrait gallery is of course a compendium of the family history and sibyl here discovers that the cardinals have produced alternate commanders by land and sea for the protection of their country and have occasionally blossomed into a judge stephen trenchard takes his part in the day's proceedings with supreme patience admires the family portraits just as he admired Sir Wilfrid's horses, and makes himself generally agreeable. It is only when he is seated in the carriage with his niece that the tension of the bow is relaxed, and weariness overshadows the Anglo Indian's sallow countenance. Rather a long morning, Sibyl, he says, and more sight-seeing than I care about. But I have borne it all for your sake it will be a proud day for me if i live to see you mistress of that place yes my dear one of the proudest days of my life and yet i have made many a conquest over fortune since i left redcastle more than fifty years ago a gaunt hungry lad turned my back resolutely on my native town knowing very well that there was nothing but starvation for me if i stayed there any longer sybil is silent it would be cruel to dispel a fancy which evidently gives the old man pleasure let him dream on if what mrs stormont says is true and stephen trenchard's strength is dwindling fast the end may come before he is awakened from his dream and it will please him better to leave me his money if he thinks i am going to be a rich baronet's wife reasons sibyl within herself to add riches to riches is the delight of such men. End of chapter 21